Welcome one and all to Maine Education Matters. My name is Matt. And I'm Julie. And today we are going to be just doing a quick update of things that have been happening in and around the Augusta region in terms of the DOE. And of course, our favorite topic, the Education and Cultural Affairs Committee. I'm kind of in love with them, Matt. Are, oh, you are? Is that possible to be in love with a committee? Well, I, I, there's a first time for everything. And so I would really like to explore this. So how might one be in love with a committee? I've just been watching them and I just love Maddie Daughtry. I love her presence. I love her energy. I love how real she is as a leader. I love the experience of this committee. I've watched most of their orientations and I'm just feeling really good about education in Maine. Just have to say. You, you truly are a sun shining on an ever cloudy day <laughs> because uh, to, this, is, this is a committee that, you know, well, we'll get into it, that I, I have, let's just say I have high hopes for and low expectations. That's why we are going to balance each other out so well. Yeah, it is. Um, speaking of low expectations, I need to get something out right away. Uh, as though li longtime listeners of our little show here know, we have a whip crack, top of the notch uh, social media team. They do an amazing job of posting. They do an amazing job of a lot of great things for our social media. Um, but we've had to make some changes in our team over the last couple of weeks because we had a bit of a Twitter snafu. And there were some things they were trying to update profiles and do some other things. And well, you may have, someone may have noticed, but our account was actually uh, down for several days, almost a week, as a matter of fact, on Twitter. Um, I did not receive any notification that someone was looking for our Twitter account. I, I find that very believable. Um, we did notice, uh, did get some notifications that the amount of spicy dill pickle uh, references significantly dropped over that time frame. But we are back now. Our, our, our Twitter account has returned, um, all in part thanks to our savior and, and, and he who shall be named uh, our, our editor-in-chief, uh, Matthew Shea, who came from uh, and swooped down and helped, helped our crack team dropped the hammer. I mean, oh, he dropped the hammer hard on those social media folks. And I'll tell you, um, they are now looking for not only new jobs, but new careers, because he has just ruined any hopes of them having any jobs whatsoever in social media ever again. Just when I feel I couldn't be more impressed with Matt Shea, he does something like this. It's just, yeah. there's no end to what that man can do. Uh, the question is, has there ever been a beginning? Um, <laughs> So let's get on with the show. Um, first of all, we're going to start off in a couple of things. We're going to go with the DOE updates first, and then we'll jump into the uh, Education and Cultural Affairs Committee. There are three areas we're going to talk about today uh, in terms of main DOE updates, unless there's another one kind of pop up along the conversation. And the first, Julie, is one of our, as curriculum assessment coordinators, is kind of a... Uh, a favorite topic for us to talk about, and that is assessment. The unnamed assessment that we are all waiting with bated breath to hear about that? Yes, assessment? the main education's version of Voldemort, 
when it comes to assessment because it, it, that shall not be named. Um, for those of you who may remember the original assessment that we had, the Empower and SAT, which was done through a, a company called Cognia, the DOE cut ties with that contract and pretty much blew up the Empower and the SAT assessment for this particular year, asked for a waiver from Secretary DeVos back in September-ish. September DeVos said, yep, nope, you still got to do an assessment. And so the DOE got right on it and said, okay, fine, and tried to find a new assessment. And back in December, I believe, we had heard that it's, or actually November even, it's forthcoming. It is forthcoming. We're a, a day away. We are a week away from signing a contract to get this whole thing done. And as the day that we're recording, it is February 1st, and that contract has been signed. Yes? I did not receive that memo. Yeah, 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 it hasn't. So, Matt, I realize I can be rainbows and unicorns a little too much. <laughs> he, here's my advice about the MEA and the unnamed assessment. And this goes out to my peers that I greatly love in the curriculum world. We cannot control when this information comes out to us. And mm. one of the things we've learned through, one of the many things we've learned through this pandemic and this situation is the difference between what we can control, what we cannot control, and the importance of self-care. So my advice, when we get the information, we will deal with it as we always do. We will call each other, we will empathize, we will corroborate, we will commiserate, anything to get through it. But um, until then, just keep plodding on and hoping to get word soon. Yeah, well, we, we, we know that we will get word soon. And I agree that we're all going to come together. And that's one of the things that the pandemic absolutely showed us is that when, when push comes to shove, we rally together, we push each other up, we push each other forward, and we support each other. And it's going to be that exact same thing when this, when this comes together. And there are going to be many districts that are going to have a much easier transition. And there'll be many districts that do not have as easy of a transition. And so it will be the responsibility, in my humble point of view, that those districts that do have an easier transition reach out and say, how might we help? Excellent. And then it becomes the responsibility of those other districts who might have a harder transition to say, we are willing to take said help. Right. Speaking of assessment, yeah. I believe last week we, we received an invitation to, was it a task force? Was it a thinking committee? Um, very yes. exciting. Very exciting to see the future of assessments in Maine. It sure is. There, there is a, a new thing coming through and, it, and it's happening. And it's, um, there's this whole idea of just redefining what assessment is. And the Department of Education is looking for people who are interested in participating. They're looking for people who might be just want to, you know, uh, join in and help ask those really difficult questions of what is assessment or what has assessment been and what should assessment be in our state? Um, and I hope that there are many educators out there, people listening who um, will get involved in this or will try to be involved in it because this is an incredibly important and impactful thing. No matter how we, we think about us, the, the state assessment and how it's used, there's a still going to be a lot tied to it. So how my, my, my thought on it is how might we then transition it from being just a strict measure of um, federal accountability 
to an in-person instructional classroom based used to improve instruction while also being used for federal accountability purposes. So we can't, like you said, control earlier, we can't change the federal accountability rules, but if we can adjust our assessment to do those things simultaneously, that is a win-win situation, which is why I hope our curriculum folks, when it comes to this changing of assessment, see that forest through the trees, that, yep, it is gonna be a tough transition, but if we plow through it, we'll get through it and be better on the other side. I agree. We're in a good place. I think so too. Um, anything else you wanna talk about with assessment? No. Me neither. I am done with that topic for now because I just wanna get the answers and then move on with my life. Uh, another thing that has been going on for the last year plus or so has been a little thing called the Main Learning Technology Initiative, MLTI. And MLTI has been a mainstay, a staple of main education since 2000. 20 years was one of the most innovative things ever done in public education in the United States and has been replicated and has been looked at as a model for how to do technology integration, at least in terms of devices. Uh, well, the contract and the bill and everything like that um, expired and uh, a year or so ago. And this last year, the, the state was in an area of like a waiver year, kind of a buffer year to develop the new plan, the new MLTI, what they're calling MLTI 2.0. There was an advisory committee that met many times, full disclosure, I was on that committee. I was a part of that as a, as a representative of the Main Curriculum Leaders Association. And that team has come out with some recommendations and they brought those recommendations recently to the ed committee and they've been somewhat released. And so we have at least a general idea of what MLTI 2.0 is gonna look like. I just have two words to add that should make all those decision makers feel better. Voice and choice. Say more about that. The little bit I know about the work that your great committee has done is allowing for districts to have some choice in how they want the MILTI 2.0 program to work for them. And they are putting their time and effort into hiring fantastic educators to work across the state so that teaching and learning can truly move forward and meet the needs of all of our teachers. Of the recommendations of the MLTI 2.0, the, the efforts that they're putting into creating um, effective technology integrationists across the different regions is one of the areas that makes me most excited. Um, because if we can get more people to learn how to use the technology effectively, it, um, it makes the devices less of an issue and focuses more on the learning, which, is, which was a major conversation of the MLTI board over many, many, many months, which was how do we make sure we focus on the learning, not just the devices. Now, an interesting little thing happened because when we started this whole, when the MLTI started this whole process, that was like September, October in 2019 and worked through, worked through, worked through, worked through and 
decided along the way that one of the major equity issues along, uh, for devices was going, was going to be devices because many districts might not have funding. They might not have a technology educator or uh, integrator or director. Lots of different reasons. Devices were an important and an essential component. You see that in the L L MLTI 2.0 proposal so far, the, the executive's report or what um, the DOE talked about. But something happened in the middle there. And it happened right in the middle of March of 2020, when we all went out for COVID, there was this sudden realization, holy crap, how are we gonna do this distance remote learning? And then we started figuring it out and then COVID funds came in. And I don't know about your district, Julie, but I know about the districts that I, that I know very well. So many of those districts spent a ton of money on devices and technology. I think that was pretty pervasive across the state. I mean, one making sure everyone had one-to-one -one devices, connection opportunities in the classroom, uh, audio uh, needs, et cetera. So these are some major things that had to be purchased in order to maintain the connection and, that, and have gotten many of the districts through to this point in early February of 2021, almost a year later than we went out. This is going to pose a major challenge for MLTI being, uh, it has to go through the education committee and it's got to go through the legislature and it's got to go through everyone else. It's going to pose a major challenge and it's going to pose a major challenge. And this is just my, my prognostication for whatever you want to call it. Um, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's not, 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 not a thing. But if you have a bunch of districts or a majority of districts that are, have already bought up a tremendous amount of devices using COVID relief funds, you have district-wide budgets that are going through massive cuts due to curtailments across the entire district due to COVID and due to lack of funds, lack of everything and increasing home prices, increasing evaluations, which has been happening all over our state, which is both a good and a terrible thing at the same time. A lot of districts are gonna ask the question, do we need MLTI? Because it used to be about devices. Mm -hmm. I don't, This, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that I'm really attaching to the, the idea of the people that they want to hire to support mm. me. So when I hear Beth and Paige talk about hiring a cons uh, computer science specialist, hiring mm. five yeah. distinguished educators. Um, what immediately went off in my mind, you know how as passionate as you are about computer science, mm. I am as compassionate about instructional coaching. And when I think about the mm. increase of staff to MLTI, I would love to plant a seed that the coaching co-op for MCLA sort of join forces to support those instructional strategists in the technology world because we have incredible coaching models that could really support um, tech innovation as well. So um, true. I hear what you're saying about the devices. It is definitely very interesting, but what a good predicament to be in that we have enough devices or we're almost all set with the devices and we can talk about supporting teaching and learning. Yep, I totally agree. 
The only challenge that I see is with this as well, if a lot of districts start opting out or not doing MLTI, I think that from the Ed Committee standpoint, what they're going to be thinking is terms of, well, why do we need to fund MLTI? Because let, let's be honest, they're not going to go into the weeds and really understand that, that it's not necessarily about devices. And even though the plan is going to be heavily, still heavily based on devices, they might not be thinking in that way. And they're just going to see this big $14 million cost to it thinking in terms of 20, 20 years prior, well, it's always been about devices at seventh and eighth. Why would we continue to do this when we know that all the districts have just bought a, bought a bunch of devices? I see there's a real risk um, in this. So I think that the DOE has a very fine line to walk and has to be very strategic in how they um, promote this and bring this to the ed committee to be like, it's not just about devices, it's about those instructional coaches, it's about these other things. But it's also about the devices to support those districts who might not have either one done this or might need additional supports and to, main, to maintain this continuity of learning if this remote hybrid thing continues into the future or comes back again. Matt, I don't want to take us away from this topic, but I can't help yeah. but wonder when Angus King, and it was Governor Angus King at the time, pushed mm -hmm. for Milty. MLTI 1.0, we'll say, um, we, we were one of the first in the nation. So when I think about the focus on computer science, mm -hmm. how, how do we compare with other states? Are we behind the times when it comes to promoting the importance of computer science? Or could this be another example where we are ahead of the game and could set a proper course for others to follow. If I remember correctly, back going back to again September of 2019, I went to a, a curriculum science uh, conference, and I remember seeing Maine. We're kind of in the middle because we have a lot of advocacy for it and a lot of great places that are doing great things with it, but there's also not necessarily a lot of formal stuff in place. That's being built and it's being developed, and I think. It could have gone even further last year had we not gone out with COVID. Um, but I also know that the Ed Committee is going to be hearing on resolves and recommendations from the computer science of bringing computer science into um, the fold somehow, whether it's going to be in academic standards, which is gonna be a tough hill to climb or some other way that they're gonna do it. Um, I know it's an intentional focus point of the department um, so I think we're in the middle of the road. That said, if we can make some adjustments and with the copious amount of technology that we have available to us, with a slight tweak, we could be, you know, game changing and could be running the, running the table again and be that innovative leader like Maine has been forever, we just don't get the recognition because we're a smaller state up in the Northeast. We just do these things and then other people take our ideas and run with them and then call them their own. Looking at you, Los Angeles County. Well, I appreciate the background knowledge about MILTI 2.0 and I will send some positive vibes that those challenges um, turn into opportunities. So the final DOE recommend, or thing we want to talk about very quickly is uh, Moose. 
their online platform for project-based learning anywhere, anytime. Uh, there are, they've gone through two iterations so far, two cohorts of development. They are in their third. I have to, again, be perfectly honest and disclaimer. Uh, I have been a part of Moose for two sessions so far. I'm a part of it for the third session um, simply because I believe in this project as, a, as an individual, as an educator. And I think that this is an one of those, again, incredibly innovative ways that Maine is leading the nation in terms of how we do education. And I've been, I've been shouting this from the rooftop since, since June. Um, but so it's, it is continuing and it's on its third iteration. Um, and there will be more and more modules coming available. If you haven't checked out Moose, uh, go to the DOE website and find it through the innovation page or main.gov slash DOE slash Moose, I believe it is. And go go there and check it out and see what's available. I don't know that we will have time with um, such a vast number of titles or bills being put forward, um, but I would love to hear from educators at each level who have used the Moose modules. I mean, mm. I have only looked at them and encouraged staff to look at them. They are just amazing. The, yep. Yeah, amazing. They are, and they're, and they're, they're intentionally designed to be student-driven. Which I, which is the thing that I love about their design is it's it's meant to be a thing where the teachers don't have to build a whole unit or lesson around it. It can be here. Here are the standards that I'm looking for or the goals that I'm looking for having our students meet. And if the way that I'm instructing doesn't necessarily work, here's another option. You know, and for for parents who are at home and trying to do this remote learning at home and are finding that their kids need different ways, talk with your teachers and also say here here's another option, and you can just show the learning that way. It's one of the things that I love the most about it. I think that we need to send Paige and Beth an email and tell them that they need to start a Moose Modules podcast. <laughs> because when I think about how much I would love to hear from students and teachers using it, I think that would be a great way for them to promote and to support staff. Imagine if you could tune in and listen once a week. I mean- Right? We yeah. did hear back from some folks out there in Hawaii and they have looked at the modules and looking at it. So by the way, that just says selfishly, we might be able to still get that whole, <laughs> that trip out there once, once travel restrictions lower uh, to be able to do you know live from Hawaii, yeah. focusing on the Moose modules. Uh, it's, it's Matt and Julie. Um, so Paige and Beth, if you're listening, we think, or I think you should start a podcast and Matt can tutor you on how to do that. I'll, I'll just be the cheerleader on the side. Yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a thing called the Google machine that can pretty much have anyone start a podcast. It's, it's really easy. And literally anyone can do it. And proof of that is this podcast. So let's transition. We've kind of danced around the committee a little bit. So let's get into the ed committee. They are back. They are in session and they are meeting. And I love them. And, and Julie loves them. I really Julie, do. Julie, I don't Julie know if it's them. possible to collectively love a committee, but every time I watch them, they're just in it for the right reason. Love is love. They're so excited to be on this committee. Some of them wanted to be in previous terms and they couldn't, and now they are. They're, they're former teachers. They're married to educators. Their children are educators. I'm telling you, love first, 
teach second. It's, it's, it, it is a love fest between Maine Education Matters and the Ed Committee. Um, I don't know if that would cross the line into polyamory, but we're not gonna go down that line. Um, so they've gone through a bunch of orientations, like a whole ton. God bless them. Yeah, brutal, a ton. What do you mean by brutal? One after another. And they were brutal in the sense that you have these amazing organizations who just want to put the best information possible out to them. But you can't help but wonder, well, you know, I mean, we've sat 12 hour days in Zoom meetings and, oh, yeah. and, and you know, their first experience with the Education and Cultural Affairs Committee was listening to these very passionate, mostly educators talking about their associations and, and why there should be supported. I didn't feel right. like, um, I, I felt everyone did a fantastic job that I saw on the orientations, but it's a lot of information and a lot, a lot at once. I mean, when the DOE presented, I think it was for over two hours on, um, Friday the 22nd. Yeah, they had a whole afternoon, didn't they? They had a whole afternoon and I found it fascinating because we live this, we live that world. Um, but it's a lot of information and everyone was willing to do follow-ups and whatnot, but hats off to the committee for all the information that they took in and really thoughtful questions that they asked afterwards. So that is, that is one thing I have noticed is that there are uh, uh, all of the committee members seem to have really um, high levels of interest. And it could very well be that there's a lot of educators who are on the committee now, um, whereas before there weren't maybe necessarily as many, maybe there were, um, but it seems that there were some definitely some really great questions. But yeah, so the first day of orientation, it was all the ed organizations like the MEA, MSSA, MSBA, MSMA, uh, Adult education went a little while later. The main curriculum leaders association went. So it was just a whole several days of just inundation of here's our organization, here's what we do, here's our organization, here's what we do. And um, they are through that now and are getting ready to do public hearings. And Speaking of public hearings, if you have not seen uh, our updated 2021 Maine Education Bills spreadsheet, there is, it, it's been, it's changed a little bit this year. We've kind of uh, leveled up in a way for our, for our spreadsheet, which, which was great before, but I have to say it's, it's pretty good now because not only do you have, we have a column for a subject. So for example, if you wanted to look at things like I just want to see something about curriculum. You could do a find function and just find all the things that have curriculum in the subject. PLDs and titles have all of the act links like they did before, but a couple of the things that are new to the spreadsheet this year. We also have next to the, the, the title of it, the sponsor. Uh, so we know who's sponsoring it. There's a type, uh, what type of bill is it? Is it an act or resolve? So we can keep track of how many acts, how many resolves, et cetera. And is it an emergency? So you can very easily see whether or not it's an emergency or not. And of probably the most one that's, that's closest to my heart is you can, if you want to look at a resolve, you want to see how many whereas's there are. Well, you can see right there. 
And you can determine kind of right there from the spreadsheet to what extent do we feel like this is going to be a resolve that might be a really well-written resolve? Because I'm looking at one right now that is both an emergency is a resolve, but only has four whereases. So this, that, that might be a bit dicey there, but it's got potential. I just Let's have see one how question. short it is. I just have one yeah. question. Has Matthew Shea seen this spreadsheet? Yes, he has. I believe so. I believe he has. I bet he beams with pride. Uh, again, our not only our social media team, which is kind of in restructuring right now, but our data management team, again, they've, they've leveled up. They, they've leveled up this year with this, um, which brings us to one of the newest pages, two newer pages on the spreadsheet. One is one that's called Other Ed Bills, which as you know, sometimes education bills go in through different committees. But we're gonna try to keep an eye on as many of those as we can. Uh, there are thousands of bills that go through the entire legislature and over like almost 200 of them just in the education committee alone. So we're gonna try to keep track of those. Um, we, another we, our crack, our crack management okay, team, okay, okay, our crack okay. data management team. Yes. Yeah. Thank, oh, we don't thank, do anything. Okay. We, do, we just show up and talk. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I don't even, I don't, I'm not even sure what's going on. We're just kind of rambling at this point, but there's one other sheet that, I'm really excited about. And we're calling it the Ed Committee Games page because this has one where you could say like, you can look right now and see of the bills that have been brought before the committee that have become gone from LRs to LDs that are gonna at some point go before the committee, you can see, well, which representative has presented the most bills? Right now, it's Representative Brennan out of Portland. He has presented six bills so far that have already going ahead in front of the, that are going to be going in front of the committee. Um, as of this particular recording, it might be different when you see read this or hear this. And followed by Representative Fecto of Augusta, former member of the Education Cultural Affairs Committee, uh, with three. So that's something we can keep track of and, and look at. Total number of LDs so far that are gonna, that are set to be presented to the committee right now stands at twenty three. And the total number of whereases stands at four at, at this particular moment. So some additional kind of fun that I think we can have. I think people are going to be just ecstatic about these changes, Matt. <laughs> to find those, they, they should be pinned to both our Facebook and our social media page profiles. So you should be able to have easy access to them. I'd highly recommend just getting in there, getting in, bookmarking it, calling it good. So you always know where it is. So with that, the final thing I think we need to talk about today is a brand new segment of the show that has never been done before because, well, we didn't have anyone of a title. I mean, you know, I've, I've had titles before, but they can't be spoken on, you know, non-explicit podcasts. Um, I've been given many titles before, but we have a new title. We have a new segment. And we are going to call it the Lady Smythe Shoutouts. I love it. As you know, Matt, I live my days with four-year-olds at Saco Pre-K, and I have a teacher who thinks she's the queen, and she uses her queen status during transition time, so... Very hard for me not to be the queen, but we have settled on Lady Smythe. So as I think about my 
transition into Maine Education Matters, I thought Lady Smythe would like to do some weekly shout outs if that's okay. So are you ready for a few shout outs? Can't wait. I am, I am on the edge of my seat so much so that I'm about to fall off. Oh goodness, someone help me. Lady Smythe's first shout out goes to an amazing educator by the name of Miss Megan Welter. And I had the privilege of sitting in on a Zoom meeting with Miss Megan Welter and she had represented the main curriculum leaders. Actually, I don't know if she represents the main curriculum leaders when she attends the ed committees. She, it might be um, a different organization, but she was tasked with relaying information to MCLA on what the ed, this, it's not the ed committee, but it's an ed, um, it's committee of educational organizations, ed org, is that what it's called? Anyways, Megan was so articulate and I was just so impressed. And I, at that moment I said, I need to give her a shout out at Maine Education Matters. So Megan Walter, thank you for being such a passionate, articulate and well-informed curriculum leader. And my second Lady Smythe shout out goes to Courtney Belolan. I was able to see Courtney Belolan present to the Ed Committee. She was the final organization to present, which is tough in itself. And she was magnificent. She was passionate, she was thorough. I, I just can't say enough. And I suppose for the sake of full disclosure, um, both of these women are members of main curriculum leaders, Courtney being the executive director and I am on the board, but I am just so impressed, so thankful for these two and just had to give the very first Lady Smythe shout outs to Megan Welter and Courtney Belolan. What a great way to start that first segment. I mean, that's, that's, that's a high bar. I'll be honest. That's a high bar. So if you get a shout out from then on, you know, you're, you're, you're getting something that's on, that's really a, from a high bar. Um, so uh, congratulations, Megan Welter and congratulations Courtney Belolan on getting those amazing shout outs. Maybe they'll listen now. Maybe, maybe, maybe they will. I, I don't, I don't expect anyone to do that because this is a, who, who wants to listen to this? I know, I know. I know. I mean, I know you do and I do, but it's like, who wants to listen to us? So where can people go and to find us? Well, now that our amazing <laughs> team has been under the tutelage of Matt Shea, you can follow us on Twitter at Maine Ed Matters or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Maine Education Matters. And True story with- right there. <laughs> And with that, we'll see you next time.